following was recorded on Monday, May 23rd, 2022 at the IFS Web Radio Lab. Hello and welcome to Parkour Ed. My name is Colin Daly. Parkour Ed is the English language podcast here at IFS where I sit down with members of our community and they tell us the paths that they took to come here. So today we have a special guest and I'm going to let her introduce herself as always. Hi Colin, hi everyone. Thanks for inviting me. I'm Aurora Benitez Perez, a Spanish teacher here at the IFS. Special hello to my uh, Premier uh, students who wanted to hear me in this podcast in English. Wonderful, thank you. And it's great to have a little dedication to your students who are going to listen and they're probably not used to hearing you speak English. No, they know my voice in French and Spanish, but not in English. They're excited to hear my voice in English. That's great. Let's go back to your name because names are really hard for people sometimes when it's uh, a foreign language. And yours is a Spanish name and it went really fast. How do people like me pronounce your name? Uh, Aurora? American. I, I used to live in America and there they said Aurora, something like yeah, this. Aurora is what I would so say I'm reading it. So how do you say it? Aurora. Aurora. Yeah, Aurora. that's 100% correct. And the French? French is a little bit problematic because some people tend to translate like Aurora and I don't like because my name is Aurora, not Aurora. So some they try to pronounce Aurora, Aurora, something like this, or they pronounce it like in French pronunciation, uh, Aurora, which I find so-so. Names are always tricky, so now I know. And your family name? My family have two family names, like every single people in Spain. Most French people have like two, three uh, names, but Spanish people, we only have one name, usually, or two, normally one, because we have two family names. So that's the way you are different because you know what, I'm Benitez Perez, but in Spain there is only two people like me named Aurora Benitez Perez. You can know this according to my Spanish ID. 15 years ago we were six and uh, 10 years ago we were only two. So maybe when I'm going to uh, renew my ID next year, I'm going to be the only one in Spain named Aurora Benitez Perez. They put it right on the identification yeah, card. Yeah, it's a number and... You can know how many people... Uh, so perhaps it's one just, of those names that's kind of fallen out of fashion, but maybe those names, they tend to return after a while. Aurora, it's an uh, old lady name. Actually, it's my grandmother's name, and I really don't like it because in Spain, if you say in the street, Aurora, it's me, 100% me, because oh. there is not a lot of people named Aurora in my family, yes, because it was a tradition to have a daughter right. named Aurora, but you know, it's a different name. How many of you left on the last time you got a new card? So, who knows? Maybe this time, you know, uh, because it was nine years ago, maybe some Aurora Benitez so you, was... So in Spain, do you... Was born, right. you know? Do you, in Spain, do you change your ID cards every 10 years or something like that? Or is it not on a regular uh, schedule? Normally, it's five years, but... By the time I renew the old one, it, it was 10 years. So now I'm renewing it next year. It will be, I think, five. So Benitez Perez are my uh, family names. Benitez is my father's name. And Perez, uh, my mother's name. Most of the family names in Spain ended with this. It's son of someone. So uh, like Johnson or yes. Anderson. Yeah. yeah, correct. Makes sense. A lot of English names were names of trades, like Smith was a blacksmith. And, yeah, it's it's and the same... Taylor was a the tailor. same thing. Okay. 
So you were born in Spain, but you've traveled quite a bit. You did all of your schooling in Spain when you were a kid? So I was at the middle school and the high school in Spain. Also my first years in college. Then I went to France and I never came back to Spain. But yes, I spent my middle and high school in a little town in Spain southern Spain. People who don't know you can't know that your French is wonderful. You speak wonderful French and your English is very good too, but Spanish is your first language. So what was it that brought you to France after two years of university? Actually, the the story is more complicated than this because my father went to France in the 60s and one of his sisters too. So actually, this aunt of mine is still living in uh, Po in southern France. In the summer, I used to have this visit, this part of the family was visiting very usually and some of my cousins didn't speak Spanish, only French. And I was, you know, little kid, four, five, six, seven years. And I was like, why I don't understand these people? So my mother was explaining to me, they are French. They don't speak the same language. So growing up, I said, okay, I have to communicate with these people. You know, it was very weird to have this part of the family to play but not speaking so that was the idea French was in my life very very early my father learned to me some French words for me French was a part of my life very very early how about on the other side did you have relatives who wanted to learn Spanish they had Spanish background right my aunt is Spanish her husband too their four kids are Spanish and French but they communicate mostly in French because three of them were born in Spain, but the last one was born in France. So their common language is French. They could speak Spanish, but, you know, very badly. And then I was trying to play with their sons and daughter who couldn't speak Spanish. You had early exposure to French and you were attracted to it. Now, do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, a brother. He didn't want to learn French. I have family in northern Spain, so... If this part of the family didn't come to uh, my hometown, we went to northern Spain, near the border with France, Aldaya. Right. Uh, so my brother has the same exposure to French language, but my brother wasn't interested in French. Okay, yeah. but you were, and so that led you to studies abroad. You say after the first two years of university? You said Anday, is that the town you were from? No, I am come uh, from a little town in southern Spain, Zafra. In Spain, it's very known. I don't understand why. It's not a big town, but if you ask a Spanish, they know where it's... And so you were studying in university there? No, I went to the University of Salamanca, a very prestigious university in Spain. I wanted to study French studies, but one of my teachers at this time that I always, I love her and I want she to hear this post podcast she told me no you have to study translation you have to and thanks to her I studied translation because she was cheering me up and I went for four years at the college of French study translation of French German a lot of languages English Portuguese so I, I did this study translation mostly from foreign language to Spanish. Oh, that sounds intense. Yes. Translation, I find it very difficult, the interpretation. Four years of translation studies and several languages, you say, and always translating towards Spanish. You translate towards your mother tongue? When you study translation, you study both. So uh, I learned translate French into Spanish, Spanish into French. But you do because it's like an exercise. When you become a professional translator, some of my friends 
students from the, the university, they only translate from English to Spanish or to French to Spanish. Yeah. I see. Interesting. I've done some translating in the past for friends from French to English. I always found it very challenging, and I relied a lot on translating tools. There's a whole science behind it and a whole philosophy of how to do it. What do you think about the modern technology with artificial intelligence and websites such as DeepL that are translating, or the Google sites where you right-click and it translates it to another language. What does that mean for the profession or the science or the art of translation? It's kind of a little bit of all of that, isn't it? A science and an art. Yeah. When I came back in Christmas, back to Spain for the first time in 15 months, and I saw my dictionaries, the big ones, I saw myself going back to the university. We used to go to university with these big, huge dictionaries because 20 years ago, no Google Translate, nothing. I learned old school how to translate. So I suppose now to learn to students how to translate without using Google Translate and this kind of thing, I think it's a challenge. It is. I believe it's a challenge too. Even in discussions for ordering supplies for next year, the discussion of do we order thesauruses and dictionaries for our students. And the consensus was, well, we should have some, but to ask each student to purchase one is not very reasonable since they won't use it. They're going to look up words using Google or whatever. Yeah, we, we have to learn. Uh, it's no more the time for paper dictionaries. I, I like to read paper books, but I think the future for translation and for students is to learn them how to use these internet tools. With my students, I try Okay, you have a question. What reference? But don't go to Google Translate, please. They have to know there are these electronic tools. Dictionary, okay, but I mean, it's 2022. 20, uh, I agree. I have to admit that my French has improved thanks to digital tools because of spell checker, example. When you're working on a document typing in French and I have this French spell check, I notice a misspelling that I wouldn't have noticed. So I'm grateful for those tools for my French and my English as well. But at the same time, relying on those to do everything just they don't work the way they should but with artificial intelligence they are getting a lot better they are getting a lot better so you went to study four years of translation where in France were you in Po or were you no in Salamanca you have to have at least two main languages it's mandatory to have one so I decided to study French and German because I'm very interested in German language so second year you have to go to one country for me it was German speaking country and I decided to go to Austria it changed my life because I don't know. Since I went to Austria, uh, my life changed. How old were you when you went to Austria? 20 years. So your life changed at age 20. It was an awakening in Austria. What, what did you love so much about Austria? So I met someone special in my life who's still in my life. My best friend, Danilo Umbesto. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I learned to live my life. And, and I learned German and the love to the German culture. How long were you in Austria? Six months. Spent a semester the German-speaking countries, they say the summer semester, the winter semester, so I went for the summer semester there. Were you in Vienna or another no, capital? No, I went in uh, Innsbruck. Innsbruck? Yeah. Very well known. In the for, Alps. Especially for its skiing. Yes, yes. You really focused on German, and so you had French and German and the uh, other English, language. Portuguese English. and Italian. I had these five languages. When you finished your studies and then you graduate, did you begin working as a translator or did you... No, because I have to confess 
something I didn't like translation. So I really like to do French studies, study literature and to study about the language because in four years I learned a lot of French and German with the translation, but it wasn't what I wanted. So I had a scholarship from the university and I said, let's go, let's do French studies, what I wanted to do. And yeah, it was four years and I did in two years. It was very, very challenging. I studied a lot and I did one year in Caen in Normandy and one year in Salamanca and my teachers in Salamanca were like, it's impossible to do this in two years. And at the end of these two years, they were so proud, like I have never seen a student finishing this degree in two years. How did you do it so quickly? Did you just make that your main focus? Main focus in mostly the last year in Spain. Yeah, it was only focused to finish my studies. I didn't manage to finish in July. It was September, I think, because I didn't have time to pass my exams at the same time. It must have been just tons of reading material and tons of writing to do. Yeah, like books for medieval literature, books for French literature. It was a lot of books to read, but I love reading. So in a Sunday, I can read two books, so I read so, so fast. So when you finished your French studies, what then? I wanted to go to France to get better my French and I said, okay, just a year, and just a year become 12 years. Where in France did you land first? I was in uh, Aubenas. There are teachers here at the school, Miriam, coming from this part of France, or near Grenoble. Then I went to Bordeaux, which I like. I was working at the university, Bordeaux 3. I was teaching Spanish for first and second year students. Then one of my teachers told me, oh, you have to pass the cafe. It's for you. You have the translation, the version. I said, well, let's try. I tried and yeah, I had my best 11 years ago. Okay. Did you have to do a preparatory course or did you just kind of read the read yes, up on it? Yes, because it was five years studies and I had eight years studies but for France I only had four so I have to have this preparation year. To study for the CAPES that's the eliminatory exam for people who want to become secondary school teachers in yes. France. Once you pass the CAPES and a lot of people don't pass it a lot of people try it and they don't pass it but when you pass it what's the process after that? Do you immediately start teaching? Do you choose the schools you go to? Are they chosen for you? Are you able to teach several subjects or was it mostly Spanish because because you passed this CAPES in Spanish. So I was living in Bordeaux at this time. So I wanted to stay in Bordeaux, but I wasn't married. So I had to choose another place. One of my friends told me, go to Lille, because it's not Versailles, it's not uh, Créteil. You have space, it's not so uh, expensive. So go there, people are nice, the weather is not so nice, but you know, at least people are nice. So I said, okay, because I uh, finished 33rd in whole France, it was a very good, yeah. They allow me to choose. So I said, okay, let's go to Lille. I spent six years in Lille uh, teaching middle and high school. I see. I'm going to go back a step because I understand what's behind what you just said, but I'm sure many of our listeners do not really understand what your marital status has to do with your ability to teach in Bordeaux. What does being married have to do with where you teach? Yeah, even in Spain, when I explain this, people are like, wow, what's your marital status? 
going with uh, your teaching skills. So in France, when you're not married or you not have kids, you don't have this kind of points. So at this time, it was 150 points if you were married or 75 points per kid. So you have three kids and a husband. You can stay in uh, Bordeaux, which si. I didn't have. So I had only my points from the Capes. People. I think it's the only country in Pe the world <laughs> giving points to people to be married. There is a lot of people doing some bad things like, oh, from a PAX, so PAX. Right, <laughs> getting married just to get the just points or the getting point. a civil yes. union just to get the points. The unwanted effect would be people trying to work the system or change the system. So you went to Lille, mm -hmm. and I've heard very good things about Lille. It's a university town, it's vibrant yeah. city, modern transportation, technology. People who go to Lille seem to love it, but nobody picks it as their first choice where they want to go, especially if they're from a warmer climate. Yeah, I remember my first time in France. It was the time of Bienvenue chez les Ch'tis. Yes, wonderful So it was film. the time people like, oh, it's so cool, no. So, okay. I saw the film before going to the north, going to Lille. Oh, it's not so bad. It will be okay. The problem there, it's the weather. Okay. Because I come from southern Spain, so sun for me, it's part of my life. And there you can see maybe the sun in two weeks. So it's very challenging, but people are so open and there's a lot of things to do. I like to travel. You can go to Belgium just to have a coffee. You got used to the climate in Lille. You're no longer there. What happened after Lille? One of my friends in Lille talked me about the IFE and she wanted to go to Greece. And I said, oh, it's a good option to maybe go abroad and teach abroad. So I was okay in Lille because I could travel. But I decided to ask for the first time. I was very selective, so I had nothing. And the year after all this, they called me for New York. And I was like, uh, it is real? I'm getting the job. And he was very poetic, telling me, you have the job. He didn't tell me, you have the job. And I was like, is he offering the job? So, yes. So, six years in Lille, I went to New York for three years. Were you at the United Nations School or were you at the French School? No, FASNI, French American School of New York. And where is that located? The Mamaroneck, New York. Yes. Uh, three years in the United States, that's kind of a typical length stay in the United States due to the taxes. Mm -hmm. Explain to us how the visa situation works when you teach in the United States. And also, in the United States, it seems to me that the schools are no longer accredited. They're AUF schools. Déconventionné? Not this one. It's French-American, so it's French, like my first high school in France. It's huge, but like in France. But this one in New York was like being in an American teenager movie with lockers and I was like, oh, I'm in a movie. <laughs> so it was more American than French, but right. they are partners, I think. Partners? Do they have the IB program? Yes. What's the tax situation? Because I know there's more turnover in the United States yes. due to this. Can you explain that to our listeners? So the first two years, you don't pay taxes. You pay taxes in France because you have your accreditation in France. Then the third year you pay. It depends of the state. But New York State is one of the more expensive. In New York State, it's like 35% of your income. So it's huge. So I decided it's time to live. 
Yes. When I taught in Boston, a lot of French people after three years realized that they don't have enough money to survive. Rents are really high in those areas. Yes. After three years in New York, and, you, and it was a fun experience, I take yes, it. Yes, I, the, I the love American being high school yes, like you see on yeah. TV with the lockers and the sports teams. I remember the shark was the, okay. the mascot. What did you want to do afterwards? Did you feel like going back to France or were you ready to keep traveling? Actually, I saw Singapore positions several years ago, but I didn't feel like coming in Asia. It was so far. So it was the time I, I saw Singapore position. It was vacant so was free and I was like let's try if it's not it's not if it's okay they call me how long have you been here is this your second or third it's or? my second year it's your second so finishing year. my second year this was a hard time to arrive obviously yeah. due to covid so you've yet to experience it the way it was before who knows if we'll ever go back to the way it was before but still we're opening up now yeah it's very weird to go abroad to take the passport and visit asia but I love traveling. Have you had a chance to visit any of the surrounding countries? Two, three countries, to Malaysia, to Indonesia, and to Australia. Oh, wonderful. It's amazing you got to all three of those places in the short amount of time we've I'm been free stopping, to travel. I'm not stopping, No stopping. You're just getting started. Really, there but, is a uh, lot of places India. to start with. So, there are. Yes. I know you're very active at school. In the beginning of the year, you were working with La Semaine de la Lecture, mm -hmm. the reading week. You love literature. You yes. love reading. You've already said yes. that. What other kind of things are you involved in around the school or even outside of school? Outside the school. I am an active part of the Spanish Association. So I do a lot of things with them, what's planning the, a lot of things. What's the Spanish Association? Would that be the equivalent of the Alliance Francaise? No, no Spanish people, you know, French people are so, so huge here. Smaller? The community is smaller. Is it an organized association? Is it, yeah, something uh, like this. The registered society? Yes. Okay. Right. And so what's Spanish, the country, the nationality, it's not Spanish language. No, it's Spanish people oh, with Spanish nationality or with Spanish roots or interest in Spanish culture. Yes, mostly Spanish people. Yeah. Does it have a headquarters, like a brick and mortar central no, location? No, it's very recent, like one year and a half, something like this. Oh, so, so it's new. Yes. And you're involved in the organization? I think I was the eighth uh, person to be inscribed in the association. Oh, so you're almost like a founder or a pioneer <laughs> yes, of the organization. Yes. And how often do you have things going on? Normally, once a week, I try to do something with them, coffee or to go to the movie theater or go to Spanish restaurants. One of my friends is a photographer, so we take pictures with people. So she learns us how to take pictures. Are people from the Spanish community here from all walks of life? Do they all do all different things? Educators, business people, yeah, all entrepreneurs, kind of people, yes. artists, all kinds of people from different regions of Spain? Yes. I see. So it must be very... Uh, Mostly for Madrid. I only know someone from my region who is a tennis man. Oh, I see. He's a tennis man. Yes. That's his job. Mm -hmm. Oh. And he knows uh, Nadal. Nadal, I was going to ask. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. And and what brings him to Singapore? Is it a pro tennis yeah. coach or yeah, coach. player? Coach, yes. I see. Well, I saw you this weekend at mm -hmm. the Alliance Francaise. I'd love to hear how you got involved in doing what you did this weekend. Tell us what you did. So, yes, some people are like, oh, so surprised. Oh, you're doing the presentation in French. Yes, 
French is a huge part of my life. I think, you know, my brain is kind of half Spanish, half French. Sometimes I translate into English from French and not from Spanish. So French for me, it's a part of me. I can become French if I want. I go a lot to Alliance Française. I knew the librarian and she asked me, do you want to do the presentation? There's a new book which came maybe two months ago. So I said, not the very first beginning because I'm a shy person. And then she insists, she says, you're the best for this. And I say, okay, I'll do it. And I have to say, I was pretty nervous because uh, I was thinking maybe it's not going to be okay. It's going to be bad. And yeah, I was, it was, I think it was. Okay. I was there and I thought it went off wonderfully. You didn't seem nervous to me. I was to see nervous, you. but Maria Elena, oh, so hi, Maria Elena. She told me, you think about them like students. And that was the, the good advice. So it was normal people, although it was people from the French embassy. So yeah, I thought, Okay, they are normal people. They are not the king of Spain or something like that. And did, this, you, so. did you know the author ahead of time? Or? Yes, I met her before. What was the, the author's name? Uh, Marie-Diane Mesrel. And you presented the novel about the piano? What yeah, the, Les Accords Silencieux. Silent Chords. Interesting. It's it was a very good presentation. It's difficult to translate because there is this kind of a interpre- double meaning. Yeah. So, yeah, she's very nice. She's very open and she facilitates things. It was a very interesting presentation and I was happy to be there and, mm. and see it. So these cultural events, you enjoy uh, participating in things like this as a spectator as well. As yes, a, I really you, like Reading, obviously, is a passion for you and probably takes up a lot of your time. But what else do you do in your free time? Photographer. I, I always wanted to take some photograph class to become professional because I, I still take pictures with a camera. Once in Mexico before the pandemic, uh, I was treated like old person because I had a Nikon camera, you know, oh. because I like taking pictures with a cell phone, but I think a camera, it's a camera. You can get a better quality of an image yes. with a camera that's designed specifically for taking pictures. Yes. Phones are better and better, but they're not yeah. cameras. What do you have coming up for the next holiday? Are you traveling anywhere special or are you going to be around oh, Singapore? I'm going back to Europe. I'm going to visit people I haven't seen for years because I was in New York. I didn't have time to visit France when my contract in New York was over two years ago. So, yes, I'm going back to France to visit people and visit friends maybe going to Germany with my friend he lives in Germany so yeah I'm going to travel that's 100% sure where I still don't know but you will come back for next year yes. that's yes. great so yeah. any long term plans do you feel able to stay here for a while or I really like the school I really like yeah. the kids I really like every single level I like the, the little ones are the big ones are almost adults I, I really like the school here so yeah if it's I can a wonderful stay here, place it's a wonderful place I wish to, to work stay. Yeah. it's a hard place to leave it's a nice atmosphere good community thank you so much for sitting down with me and spending time with us here on parkour edit it means a lot to all of us as we get to know each other all a little bit better find out what we have in common and find out what we can learn from each other i look forward to getting to know you even better in the future thank you thanks for having me colin and bye adios adios thanks bye now Thank you for listening to Parkour Ed with Colin Daly. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. If you'd like to join me as a guest on Parkour Ed, please send me an email at cdaily 
at ifs.edu.sg. Hope to hear from you. Bye now.